Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Well, hello, hello, hello. Like they said, I'm Lana Reed, and welcome back to this week's edition of Don't Box Me In. Today we are talking about the facets of joy. We are going to learn how to have a little more gratitude, love, peace, simplicity, clarity, and trust in our lives. Joy Holland is an empathic intuitive who shares her natural skills as an empowerment coach and clarity and energy facilitator. Joy creates practices of presence and energy movement to use in daily life so that you experience peace, possibility, and prosperity in your body, relationships, work, and on your spiritual path through connection and creative expression. Joy invites us to celebrate each step beginning now and to gift ourselves the experience of creating from a centered space of love with ease and joy. So I'm thanking Joy in advance for making time to sit down and talk with me today and extend a big welcome her way. Joy, welcome to Don't Box Me In. Oh, thank you, Lana. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you for hanging out to me. So where am I oh, with me? Now, where am I talking to you uh, at today? Um, I am in lovely Southern California, about oh. a mile from the beach. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're with me today. Okay. So, yeah, it doesn't get any better than this, right? No, I, you know, that's part of the joy, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. <right here. laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So I was reading on your uh website as I was getting ready for today's show that you were originally uh, born in New York so I can tell right off the bat that that's a Southern California and New York long distance away from each other Um, and you kind of traveled around a bit here did you kind of know at a young age you were kind of be the traveling girl or no no um, actually part of my experience in childhood was that I had um, a dad who didn't believe in children expressing their desires right? They should be seen and not heard. And so I never knew anything existed outside of the town that I was raised in. I never knew a whole, I knew the country existed by words, but not like all of the adventure one could have and the different loving things in each state. So um, I had no idea. I followed my heart right when I graduated high school and I went to college in Savannah, Georgia, which is my first um engagement with the beach and I fell in love and <laughs> I thought who needs snow okay not that I didn't appreciate snow when I was growing up but it's great not to live in it <laughs> thank and you then, especially um, that New York stuff right <laughs> and I think that might be why I'm so happy today because you know it gets kind of cold here in Southern California and cold, <laughs> you know relative to the other parts of the state and so it, right when I think oh my gosh it's 60 whatever am I going to do I think hey you were below zero for 18 years, so you can handle 60 degrees. <laughs> I, I, yeah, you know, it's just it's just no comparison. And I, I'm a firm believer that something about that day-to-day sun just does something for, you know, your energy and your spirit. So I, I just, I really just relish in, in the, the atmosphere and the environment and the energy. Right, and, and it's such a difference from what I was raised with as far as, like, um, we can be outside 24-7 if we want to here, and we just kind of need a jacket. And if I want to drive to see snow, it's only two hours away. So it was an intentional move. And when my family and friends in New York um, share photos of snow, or they usually <laughs> complain every winter, I said that it was intentional for me to live here and stay because I didn't want to feel that grumpiness or 
that um, anticipation of spring instead of enjoying the season I was in. Awesome, awesome. Now, uh, we're talking about, you know, the difference between New York and now, um, and I want to spend just a little moment talking about your childhood. Um, I don't want to be too uncomfortable or whatever, but, you know, you had your bumps and bruises uh, in your your own childhood. Is it, uh, you're in a place where we can talk about it a little bit? Oh, absolutely. I love to share it because um, sometimes people feel stuck wherever they are in their life journey, and so even one little chapter of my life shows you you can absolutely overcome any patterning or work with the patterning that you have and open it up to experience that peace and possibility that you spoke about in my bio. Okay. So um, let's talk about, I guess, the beginning then. Uh, Your mother, uh, she left you when you were an infant. Is that what I read? She did. Um, I actually don't know the truth of the story. I just know the sides that my family tells me. So... Mm -hmm. um, my parents divorced when I was an infant, and my mom was a feminist at the time. It was 1970, so it's like the most radical sense of that feminist, and the child yeah. didn't fit into her life. So, <laughs> box. <laughs> um, and so she left, and that was a time when um, dads did not have custody of children. It wasn't the norm or, mm-hmm. or very regular. So my dad raised me, and um, he was bipolar, and he didn't take meds. And mm. so my life was incredibly chaotic and um, some things that were normal to me was if he would get extremely depressed then there was he would try to kill himself and if he would be extremely manic um, we would be spending money left and right and talks of moving here and there and so that those swings were things that I was um, very familiar with so I'm I think that's where my peace comes from now is I learned to be very peaceful in that chaos because otherwise, how could one function and create and dream outside of that? Yeah, you know, and I think there's so many uh, different variations of that story with children going up in, you know, very toxic and chaotic um, households that they, they kind of surround themselves. They build this sort of inner bubble for themselves just to survive and co uh coexist in that that environment so um you know it, it's a very popular story uh you know you wish children don't ha- you know have to experience that but um we're glad i'm glad that we as human beings are kind of built sometimes built with some sort of default mechanism to survive you know that process right. yeah so um you also had your your stepmother was a little tricky to negotiate around too if, if i read that right yeah so my dad um and, and anything I share um, publicly, I wouldn't go into details that would mm-hmm. offend him. So anything I share publicly, he has shared, too. I would never share part of somebody else's story. But um, my dad subsequently got remarried a few times. And um, each, the first day I met my stepmother, I was seven. And I said, um, you're not my mother. And she slapped mm-hmm. my face. And I was grounded. Mm-hmm. So that set the tone for our relationship. <laughs> oh, and, God. Um, and it didn't add any love to my experience in childhood. And together, she would make up stories about something I had done wrong so she could discipline me. And my dad would add to that discipline, but I hadn't done anything wrong. So I spent a lot of time getting in trouble for being joyful. Like I would smile at other people when we walked around, and I was always very creative. So if somebody was being creative in public, I wanted to know, like, what are they doing and how did they learn how to do that? So I was always getting in trouble for being that little joyful, bubbly light, but I didn't know how to turn it off either. Mm-hmm. So pretty much um, 
that's how I started out understanding that I can't change the variables around me. Like at a really young age, I didn't have words for it, of course, but I understood. But I can change the feel of the experience that I'm in. And so I started really young playing with understanding the energy and then figuring out how can I still enjoy myself even in this, at that time, very limited space that I had. Understanding of it, yeah, okay. So um, were you the only child in this home environment, or did you have brothers and sisters with the uh, subsequent uh, marriages? Or Right, so I had, um, we call each other brother and sister, even though they're half-brother and sister, because um, I was with them their whole life, you know, so okay. they were born into the family. But their mother eventually left, too. Um, so in my teen years, it was my dad, my brother, my sister, and I. And um, they were considerably younger, so I was like the pseudo-nanny, pseudo-mom. <laughs> and I had no idea how to be one because my models weren't very great, right? True, <laughs> so true, yes, I true. knew at a young age, like, let's put some love into all of this, but I didn't really have the tools or resources, nor was I having the life experience because I was a teen to know how to do that. Okay. So you're walking around as a child and you, you know, you're joy saying to yourself, you know, I got something here. I just, I can't put my finger on it. I can't define it. I can't put it into words, but I know there's something special in me. Um, and I know I need to, to, to move away from this environment to, to allow that to grow and manifest itself. Um, what, what was the motivation for you to, to just go to, to leave the house and go to, Georgia. I mean, you didn't even choose to go to a college in, in the same state. You just said, forget this. I'm, I'm leaving totally. <laughs> well, I did do, I did one year in New York and, okay. um, but it wasn't, it wasn't in my hometown. But then, um, my dad got married again during that year and he said, Hey, everything in our life is going to change. And you know what? And this woman was absolutely wonderful, but I wouldn't know that because based on my past experiences, it was going to be horrible. <laughs> so <laughs> I figured I'm old enough to now change my environment, and I don't want to do this pattern anymore. And so I um, hadn't even been to Savannah, Georgia. Somebody I knew briefly from somebody else lived there, and I said, that's where I'm going. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> Just the spur of the life. moment type girl, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I changed my whole life, though, because something in me, I, you know, now I understand it was that, that really strong heart whisper, but something in me said, you can't, you know, you mentioned survive. So I wanted to know, what is it like to thrive? And something in me said, you cannot thrive in what you're in. You're just going to keep repeating that pattern. And I was scared to go to Savannah. It was the first time I had ever really been away from home. I mean, the climate was totally different. Um, it was at a time I'm from the north. And when I went down to Savannah, they said, well, take your New York place off the car because you'll be discriminated against. My history professor said, just because you're from New York, I'm going to fail you. So mm. I was used to those things, right? Because mm -hmm. I had grown up. So I thought, well, even this is better than what I had. So, okay, <laughs> I can deal with it. <laughs> mm -hmm. That was the beginning of the thing. Okay, okay. Now, Sometimes when, especially as females, when we grow up in um, environments where we're not shown, you know, what what a, a parent, uh, optimal parent is, or we're not shown healthy, you know, husband and wife relationships, it kind of manifests itself later on in our own romantic relationships. Now, I'm assuming in high school and especially in college, you know, you dated or whatever. Did you notice any problems when it came to um, your own dating practices and your relationships with men? Absolutely, I did. Uh, <laughs> so 
I gravitated. Again, I didn't have the words for it when I was in it, of course, um, but I gravitated towards narcissistic relationships, psychologically narcissist. Um, so there was lots of manipulation, still lots of abuse, because, again, I was raised thinking something wrong was wrong with me and I was broken and I was not enough. So I was drawing in people who would tell me that. Now, to me, that was familiar. Somebody looking in would say, how could you possibly have listened or been in that dynamic? But that's what I knew mm-hmm. until I decided that's not very good either. Um, when I became a mother, I said I wanted to become a mother, and I knew I wanted my children to have a different way of life. And so that's when I began learning all the practices that I know and live right now. But um, no, the narcissist thing wasn't very fun. But again, <laughs> I didn't know. That's, I didn't understand I was living a pattern when I was in it. Okay. Okay, so was there some sort of light bulb moment for Joy? So she said, "You know what? This this is wrong." Or was it was it a slow process, a slow evolution? Uh, it was very slow, and I would have been in it probably for the rest of my life. And I never, I could um, fast forward if somebody asked me what would life be like in five years, I could tell you. But if you said in twenty, I actually didn't think I would be alive. Because the pattern of abuse I was in was so devastating, emotional and physical, that I couldn't foresee me moving beyond that in any way. And then when I chose, when I found that I was pregnant, and I planned my children, so when when my son was born, was 18 years ago almost, I said they need to have a different way. And it was very clear, they need to know the feeling of unconditional love and infinite possibility. Now, I don't know what that meant. I just knew I wanted that feeling. I didn't know how to do it, and um, so I learned, and I gave it to them. And then only in the last, like, maybe five or six years, I, the light bulb went on and said, hey, turn that inward and give it to yourself. Whoa, okay. that was life-changing. <laughs> <laughs> so so Joy said, well, what about me? What about me? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, it became my career, so now I'm giving my children unconditional love, and they're living infinite possibility far more than I could ever imagine. My clients are doing that, and I'm like, wait, it, it must be true because they're doing it. So turn it inward and experience it for yourself, and, and then it all changed, like, amazing full circle. I love it. I love it when we're able to touch others' lives. Um, Joy, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about motherhood and moving on. Stay with me. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Like they said, I'm your host, Lana Reed, and today's guest is Joy Holland. She is a heart healer, intuitive guide, and clarity facilitator. Facilitator. Let me get my English right. And uh, before the break, we were talking, uh, we were right at the point talking about when Joy became a mother. And you mentioned that you, you, you didn't know how to label it, you didn't know how to package it or whatever, but you just knew you wanted something different for your kids than what you um, had experienced in your own childhood. How did you go about uh, arranging that or putting that into practice? And I'm assuming, I mean, and you tell me if I'm wrong or right, but but you were still in your own evolution. So your partner, your husband, the the father of your children, um, was he one of those narcissistic people that you were kind of still finding yourself in relationships with time and time again? talk about but um but we can <laughs> surmise 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I was following a pattern in my relationship, and it um, and it did affect the children when they were first born, and we were all in it. And so eventually, um, uh, their dad and I separated and divorced. And so we've been divorced for like nine years. My son is almost eighteen. Um, so that that's been part of our journey. So um, you talk about this thing when you talk when it comes to motherhood and especially in, in people and their path or whatever. This concept of sacred container. Uh, could you explain exactly what that is and how that played out with your whole parenting and and other aspects of life? Absolutely. So so originally, like you brought up, I had this idea. I wanted my children to experience this infinite possibility and unconditional love. When, and so I was still together with their dad. So that meant, um, as far as the energy and the vibration of our home, it wasn't solely mine to, to set, right? Yes. So I came up with this idea. This is before I studied any of this formally, okay? So mm-hmm. I realized if you have something that's sacred, you really treasure it, and you show up because you want to be there, and it's wonderful energy to really rest deeply and to to create and explore all different ways of creating. And by create, I do mean artistically, but also like your life, so whatever mm-hmm. path that you're looking at. So I knew it was like a sacred container, and if I could set my home, or at least spaces in my home that I had control of, with this energy, we would all feel peace, even if peace didn't totally exist, if that makes sense. Gotcha, and I understand. And because um, something sacred, you really treasure it, you revere it, you take care of it. At a really early stage in all of this, things like um, people label household chores were actually joyful for me because you're <laughs> setting the energy of your house. I know. <laughs> you should really come over. It's awesome. It's fun. <laughs> I'm going to have to learn this when it comes to washing dishes and vacuuming, okay? I'm going to have to learn how to parlay this okay? This is really where I started learning how deep love and gratitude can go. Because, okay, so going into it, I didn't appreciate and love household chores. I mean, I don't even call it that now. But I do. um, I open the windows and I light candles and I put on whatever music feels good. And I do, when I'm doing the dishes, I'm just so grateful for the meal that we had and the company that we ate with and that I have all these dishes. So the sacred container of your home you can feel that love and gratitude for all that you experience, right? Even yes. if the energy in your home isn't absolutely perfect, let's say. Okay. Um, okay. Right. So I know that was a tangent. People always say when I say I clean with joy, they're like, can you teach me that? <laughs> 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 That's a box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put it in. And then from there, if your home is a sacred container, it's a place where you can really just rest and refresh, it came to me my body can be a sacred container. And through most of my life journey, I didn't want to be in my body fully experiencing everything, and I didn't dissociate either, but it was it was painful to be in abuse. So yeah. thinking of your body as a sacred container changes your relationship with yourself in a beautiful way. It affects what you choose to eat and who you choose to be around and where you choose to place your energy, and your so whole true. life can change just from that one concept. And it doesn't feel like you're doing work. 
Like, sometimes inner work can be a challenge. It doesn't feel like that because you're operating from a sense of just pure love and pure gratitude, and it just grows from those little seeds that you plant into, like, this beautiful experience of life. And it's a practice. Like, an intentional step after another intentional step, and all of a sudden, all these steps add up, and then you've opened your life. It would be amazing if we all got all of this at a young age, you know, how much more of uh, impact our lives would have, you know, because so many of us struggle, you know, with this and, you know, it doesn't really click until like we've exhausted maybe two thirds or one third of our life. And you're like, oh, now I get it. You know? Absolutely. And I will say this, you know, I taught my children from a really young age, all of these practices, so they don't have that layer of fear and of patterning that I had. So now they're like most joyful and they're creating and manifesting in spaces I never consider. And they're like, but mom, you taught us. And yeah. Like, but, but I still have my own patterning. So I'm like, I never knew this was possible. <laughs> but when they went to high school, they were so cute. My son came back and he said, hey, mom, what you taught us doesn't work there. And I was like, true. <laughs> 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 so how do we do this in the real world? <laughs> Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> so we got to make some adjustments real quick here. Uh-huh. <laughs> no matter how you try to spin it, homework and essays and AP tests are just not joyful, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, no, this is not working, Mom. I'm trying to put it, but it's not It's not falling into place. <laughs> so, Joy, tell me, how did you and the kids end up on a boat? That's fabulous. So, um, for some reason, and I don't know why, and I think... From what I've heard, my mom, my my biological mother, might have lived on a boat in her life. Mm -hmm. Um, Even when I was in New York, where I didn't really have access to the ocean, I knew, I thought the idea of a boat was a fascinating adventure. And um, I don't know why I had that. And I always felt like I didn't fit in my family because I had that dream. And when I moved to California, um, the first place that I lived was right by a marina, which is still really close to where I live now, and which is where... I lived on the boat with the children. And I said, well, I really, really want to live on a boat. And my then-husband said, no, people don't live on boats, and you definitely don't raise a family on a boat. And I'm kind of contrary at that point. If you told me no, I would do it. <laughs> so I'm like, no, I have to live on a boat. Um, but, but so it took some time, and after we separated, the kids and I went to live in a condo right by the marina, and I taught sailing. And I was out there every single day learning sailing and teaching and experiencing it. And just one day, a boat became available. Mm -hmm. And a man walked into the office, like, I believe in signs from the universe. And he said, I need to list my boat. And I was like, I want to buy that boat. And I asked my children, they were seven and nine at the time, because I believe in them having input. And I said, what if we just, like, still live in this condo but play on the boat? And my son said, hey, mom. What if we live on the boat, and if we don't like it, we could move? And I was thinking, how novel. <laughs> Thank you, yes. All nine-year-olds should be so wise. Um, like, so we did. We moved. In a weekend, we moved, and we lived there for five years. And at the time, um, it was three years ago, we came back on land, and I was the only single mom on our coast who was raising their kids as liveaboard. 
Oh my goodness, goodness, goodness. So that's just, let me, let me get the visual here in, in my mind here. So, so you and the kids are on the boat and you're just out there and do you come in every now and then for groceries and supplies and, you know, yeah, how, so, how, <laughs> how does this work? Quite, it's not quite that exotic um, because their dad still had a say, still did have a say in um, the way their life was structured. So I could live on a boat because that was my own shelter, but he didn't want them to be homeschooled. So they did have to go to school, which meant they had to be someplace by land. And so we were docked in the marina, and it was a beautiful marina. So then their school was like less than a mile. And my grandma was was so cute. She's like, do you just take the boat to school? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Still. Trying to figure it out. We're trying to figure it out. But um, but what was really special about it, and um, one of the reasons that there's lots of benefits that happen to us as individuals and also as family, but you have to figure we were out in nature 24-7, except for the time that they were at school. So we slept under the stars, and the moon literally came through the top of the hatch. And when you opened it in the morning, like the sun was there, and they were playing with ducks, and they would see sea lions, and they were kayaking and my daughter was fishing so it's a really natural way of life and it was a 40-foot boat so we had minimal obsessions and so So they they became best friends your communication has to be amazing because if you have anything that you're upset about you really have to talk it out because you can't there's no place to close the door and just be (laughs) (laughs) we're in this space of us so us has to work it out Absolutely, and they they learned communication far better than more adults do, um, mm-hmm. just because you have that opportunity. And you know, there was people who were around us who didn't get along like that on their own boat. And so it's a credit to them, to both of them, that they were open to being really present and to enjoying it, because it could have gone either way, right? Yeah, and you know... I d- Thinking about um, you know, young kids being exposed to such natural elements and, you know, day after day, they're in tune to certain things that um, kids on land day after day, you know, that I see often don't have, you know, an um, understanding of. So, you know, when you have these kids today, they're, they're constantly tied into technology and, and things of convenience. You know, I think just thinks that uh, I think it creates another layer of appreciation when you understand and appreciate um these gifts that are in this world around us. Right, and they have this innate appreciation and celebration of all of the natural seasons. So as a family, we practice unfolding, and it's really important. What I wanted them to understand was, we touched about this at the beginning of the call. So, you know, when we live on the boat, there was some storms, and it made boat life not lovely. Like maybe <laughs> if the wind would gust through, <laughs> it would be a horrible day. Um like really horrible. You couldn't tie it down to be comfortable. And then when you step off your landfit, well, of course you don't want to go through that. But we're living on the boat and that's part of the experience. So the first year took a little bit to get used to. And by the second year I was thinking, well, we know it's going to be windy. We know this is going to happen. So how can we make it fun? And by the third year I'm like, hey, we're going to have a dusty wind party. <laughs> and they're like, okay. And the kids would go swimming and there would be treats. And all of a sudden, those things that we weren't looking forward to became something that we were, I mean, nobody really wants it, right? So don't get me wrong, yeah. but 
something that we were looking forward to happily because we knew that's going to be a special day. And so that's we're going to make the best of this. Learning. Yeah, we're going to make, the, we're going to make this a wonderful moment. I mean, and and um, I, I, that's a beautiful learning lesson. I just. Like I said, you just wish that we would get this stuff at an early age and it would just be uh, so impacting on our lives and, and uh, make so much things so much more easier for us. Joy, we're going to take a quick commercial break right now. Uh, stay with me. We'll be right back. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Don't Watch Me Yet. Today I'm hanging out with Joy Holland. She teaches us the gift of presence and how to magnify our inner brilliance. And before the commercial break, she was sharing with us about the five years that her and uh, her son and daughter lived on a boat. Uh, Joy, what was it that uh, caused the two, um, two of the three of you to um, leave the boat? Well, we literally outgrew it. <laughs> <what> <laughs> You know, like you talk, I talked about the sacred container of your space. When we moved on to the boat, um, they were smaller in size. They were seven to nine, and of course they grew. And um, and then the the feel of all of it, um, because it was only 40 feet, and so they were in different stages of their life. Okay. And so we literally physically and energetically outgrew it. And that really does happen if you think of plants and nature. When they grow, you have to give them a new container. So yes. that's what happened. <laughs> okay. So we, we go back on land. So we have yeah. three three people used to water back on land now. Was it a big adjustment? <laughs> it was a huge adjustment. <laughs> and, um, and I think we still feel it now. But I will tell you there was benefits right away. And one of them, it may sound really silly, but things like this. You can actually take a shower and be cooking <laughs> breakfast at the same time. You don't have to, <laughs> you know, don't make flow in your day a little better and you can always be warm if you choose on the boat yes. you're usually wet and have a space heater going <laughs> gotcha okay okay so um I, I listened to you talk about the story about the boat with your kids and there's a phrase that you use that i want to have you kind of explain more about and and that is this word uh patterning so what is that and, and how does that play out in life Right. Um, thank you for mentioning that because I wanted to point out when I shared the beginning of my life journey with you that mm-hmm. I wasn't blaming anybody. Um, I knew at a really young age that my parents were in pain. And so what they were giving me was that pain and that they didn't know any better. Again, I don't, I didn't have words for that, but I knew that. And I also knew that um, as I was relating with other people, whether that was romantic or in friendships and creating in my life, I was following that. Like, mm-hmm. again, I didn't have words. So um, looking back, after having studied and researched this, that's all a pattern. It's something um, that's different from what's innate within you. Like, that wasn't me showing my inner essence energy. That was me following what was really familiar, whether or not it was uncomfortable. Right, okay. and okay. I've learned my mother's family had abuse in hers, like generations passed down. So we can look at that as one big, huge generational pattern, okay. and we don't want to fear the pattern because then we'll think we can never change it. Oh man, we're stuck with it. So okay. understanding it shows you where you can make changes in your life that are sustainable. And again, it's step by step. So I mentioned um, 
I wanted to teach my children infinite possibility. Well, I had I didn't have that feel in my life, and I knew that was a pattern. And you asked, how did I teach them? I set a really strong intention. I wanted them to have their voices heard. I wanted them to have all the resources, energetic, emotional, and physical, to create with in any way, shape, or form. Not necessarily material, although that counts, right? But mm-hmm. to feel that support that totally changes what you feel is possible for you personally. So um, if we looked at patterning, you know, I was raised with in chaos. And I was raised uh, receiving words that were not lovely, that were meant to harm and wound. And so I'm very super careful about the words that I share and the energy that I share with. And I'm very super careful about giving everyone a turn to share their voice in any way that they wish to. So that shows you I saw where my patterning was and how I was limited and hurt by it. And you can look at that and then open it up and change it. That was one example. Okay. Okay. And, um, you know, like I said, I I just think that so much of who we become is really um, predecessed by, you know, the the generations before us. and And we really don't understand how it all ties in. And some of us are, we just have this internal fight that we're born with and we know we have to find some way to escape that and break free of that but um, unfortunately there there are many of us who get caught continuously repeating the same patterns as you say um, and we would hope that um, many more of us run into people like Joy to say hey let's find this way to break this pattern because there's much more joy on the other side right and so to anyone who is feeling uh, limited by their patterns, because again, patterning can be wonderful, right? Like Mm -hmm. um, what I'm, hopefully what I'm teaching my children is wonderful and enriches their lives. And so they've learned this patterning that supports whatever their heart wishes for. So let's say that you're somebody listening in and you think, wow, I'm feeling really stuck and trapped and hurt by my patterning. The first thing is do not judge yourself for whatever has been handed down to you and whatever choices you've made to this point, to just really thank yourself for being aware of the choices that you made and understanding now that you know and you have this awareness, you can start to make choices that are different and that feel better and that are more supportive of the way that you want to live and what you want to experience in life. So when you're you're trying to make these changes in your life and you're trying to um, you're understanding your pattern, naturally you're still involved with people. Like for your instance, you're starting to change your pattern, but you you still have a husband, you know, who's kind of who he is. But Joy's trying to you know understand who she is, and this is the pattern of behavior I had from whatever. And you're you're evolving and you're growing. How do you how do you do this? when you still have people around you who are stuck in their own cycles and their own patterns? Right. So that's a great question, and there's many layers to it. And I work with women um, leaving abuse, one, because I was in it, and two, because I've studied it. So um, here's the thing. We're only responsible for our energy and our actions. Mm-hmm. And part of doing this work is, depending upon what you're in, 
some big life changes are going to happen because if you start to look at your home as a sacred container or your body as a sacred container and the elements in your personal space no longer support or are resonant with that, it's going to be quite obvious that something needs to change. And if that's the path you want to go down, you're going to have to make those changes. Now, I don't mean you have to quit divorce your husband or change your job or because those are radical and I don't think those are sustainable changes. But first, you're responsible for setting the sacred container energy of the own spaces that you have in your house and, and of your own body, start there, and of your own heart. And you start to draw people to you and opportunities that match that new energy. So your life naturally opens up to newness and it could be the people around you previously see those changes and are inspired by you and want to make them, and that's okay. And it could be, like in my case, my whole friend base changed. We have been friends for years, but it's not sustainable for me to be around people who criticize or don't appreciate light and love because that's who I am and that's what I work with. And so eventually that whole friend base changed. Okay. Okay. Now... You know, there's certain things, I'm, I'm going back to the beginning of the talk, and you, you said you just kind of instinctively knew, you couldn't put a finger on it, and now that you're talking about like old friends versus new friends, I'm wondering, um, did you feel, uh, with your old friends and the old ways and the old joy and the things that she was in, did you feel uncomfortable, did you just feel like something wasn't right, like this is not where I'm supposed to be? Well, yes, because when I was Changing my life, one of the first things that changed was my self-talk. Mm-hmm. And I had been mirroring, mirroring I don't know my English, think of this, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the talk that my parents had given me, that my, my dad and my stepmom. So, um, and it, it wasn't supportive and loving and kind, right? So yes. the first thing that changed was my self-talk. And when I became so gentle and tender and kind and respectful and loving, compassionate with myself, it's very obvious who is not those things around me. And again, yes. I'm not blaming them whatsoever. I made the choices I did. Um, and then I don't just wake up and say, hey, you guys are not my friends anymore. Um, it's a slow, <laughs> you know, because people are afraid of change, even if it's good change. So I want to point that out for the listeners. Um, it's a slow progression where you say, you might, like I had the courage to say, I don't want you to talk to me like that. And they were really surprised because for years that's how they spoke. I don't like if someone gossips. And it mm-hmm. seems to me lots of conversations are gossip or they concentrate on what's negative in the world. And so I would say I, these conversations are not ones that I want to have. Mm-hmm. And um, and some of them came on board and had new conversations and were all friends. And some of them slowly faded away over time. Yeah. You know, and and it's all for the best. I had this conversation with a uh, an associate just last week. You know, and they were the whole big topic was you know reality TV shows, and they were like, Lana, you know, do you you do you watch reality TV shows? And I was like, I just I don't like the energy. I don't like the way it makes me feel, and it just something about that whole it, it just sets me off balance. That's not where I need to be, and I don't, I, I just can't do it. And they were like, What are you talking about? But you know, it's kind of parlaying into what you're saying it just something does not set well with me it's it's not my peace it's not my space and I can't participate in that right and for me I um, I love manifesting I love intentionally mm-hmm. manifesting I feel we're always manifesting so why not direct the process as best as we can 
So I can't manifest if I'm using my energy to try to compromise something on a different space, right? Yes. I want to live that infinite possibility. And um, I have my children as mirrors. And they would say, Mom, why would that person be in your life if that's how they speak? And I would say, correct. That's, that's right. I don't want my children to have friendships like that. So it all came together. And you can think about, if you're listening, what is your greatest intention? What is your greatest priority? If I want to feel peace, possibility, joy, simplicity in my life, I can't have complicated layers. That's and right. that's not to say that I'm expecting perfection from anyone, because I don't believe in that. I have, you know, my whole past that I'm coming to the table with. But mm-hmm. I do expect a certain energetic vibration. So sure, my friend can sit down, or any of us can sit down and say, blah, blah, this happened, I can't believe it. But that's mm-hmm. just the source of what we, how we connect in general, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Good stuff. So I'm looking at the time here real quick, Joy. We're going to take the last commercial break of the day. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the stuff you've got going on. Stay with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Today, my guest is Joy Holland. She is a heart healer, intuitive guide, and clarity facilitator. And, uh, Joy, I want to make sure, because you've given us a lot of wonderful stuff today, that the audience um, knows that they can actually reach out to you and connect and and. and get a hold of some of the stuff that you do offer. So one of the things I want to talk about first is uh, an e-course that you offer, and that is uh, Celebrating Daily Magic. Um, and, you know, there's so many precious things in every day that I think we just miss in our little runabout in, in life. So tell us more about that course and, and what it's about. Oh, sure. Um, this is one of my favorite courses, and uh, because there's always some bit of beauty, some place in our everyday, regular life. And this course trains you to look for that little beauty. And an example I give is from my own life. Um, People look at my Instagram photos because I love to be on Instagram, and they say, but your life is full of flowers and sunsets and whatever. And I share the story of each picture. Usually the flowers I see are in those little pots in the parking lot walking from point A to B, and I Mm -hmm. see it blossoming. And that's really inspirational because that shows you you can blossom anywhere, right? Yes. Usually... Like the most fantastic, whatever looks absolutely beautiful to people is because I've seen that. Like I'm carpooling and I think, look, <laughs> there's a <laughs> rose bush by the side of the road and I pull over and I get it. Or, or we walk by a fabulous restaurant and I show a picture of the food. Um, and so that begins to show you that life is beautiful, even in your whatever your daily life feels like. So that can inspire you to reach out for more of that. That can, there's a connection sharing with other people these moments of beauty. So even if the weather here is cloudy, there's like a hundred other pictures that show there's something gorgeous in a day and people share moments that feel sacred to them just right in their everyday life. I want to stress that. So we're not going out of the way. Like I'm not mm-hmm. going to a museum to capture a photo of a great painting, but I'm finding something in the day. Okay. Um, so it's a beautiful, beautiful offering. Okay, so this is um, it's a course that people sign up for, a, like a class structure, and together as a as a team, we're going out to to kind of document our day to day life, the beauty, the beautiful things. 
Right. So I okay. through the course, because my focus is always on how to be most fully present, there's daily okay. prompts. And then the first week I teach us how to set up the idea of a sacred container. You can okay. use that in any area of your life. Um, that's really powerful. And people ask, it's not a course about teaching photography. Um, it's just sharing that visual so that at the end of the course, you have 30 visuals of beauty in your day. So if your mind says, man, I lead a life that's dull, you have 30 visuals that say, you know what, look at what is actually in your life. That's so powerful and profound. Oh, yeah. that I think that will leave such an impression on people because, you know, we overlook, you know, we get caught up in the day-to-day, get up, go to work, da 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 We miss so many things that, you know, are kind of tapping us on the, on the shoulder and saying, hey, you know, you actually have something wonderful going on here. Open your eyes and, and look at it, you know. So, I, you know, I, I just think that's uh, that has a big impact on people, has the potential to have a big impact if they participate. Now, you have this other um, e-course uh, called uh, Manifesting with Joy. Is that right? Right, absolutely. Okay. And that's a home study course, and mm-hmm. um, and there is access. There's extra access to me as a facilitator. But uh, I believe in manifesting in general. We're manifesting, creating every single moment. So, like I told you earlier, why not put some intention and energy behind it to kind of direct to where you, to the what you want to experience in life. Not necessarily the detail, but the feel of what you want to experience. And so this is general because, um, and you can use the points and the concepts to manifest in any area of your life. Okay. okay. Now you also have a, um, a, B, a e-book. I saw that on there, The Art of Receiving Abundance. How is it that right. we pick up that book? <laughs> um, so you can get that book by subscribing to the site. Um, and, and the reason I wrote the book is because there's so much information <laughs> out there. And people are really interested in manifesting. But the other side of that is opening to receive it in, right? So we talk about patterning. So many of us are like, sure, I'll give it all away or I'll deflect it to something. This teaches you how do you open to receive it in so you can enjoy, like, the fruits of your labor. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have to go to uh, your website to, to get that book? Right, and it's www.facetsofjoy.com. And on my website, I have a free resources page because I believe, you know, depending on where you are in life, um, it can seem overwhelming to hear all of this. So, And I like to break it down into easy, manageable steps. And so on my free resources page, there's lots of different articles listed and also audios and videos um, on specific topics. So like 10 minutes each on little topics that you can go and browse through. So it doesn't seem so overwhelming, and you can use them. Use the practices and let me know how they're going, and I'm always available. Not always, 24-7, <laughs> but by email. <laughs> by email, and I love, I love, it's a blessing to be doing the work that I do and a blessing to be who I am, and I love sharing it. Okay. Now, the uh, e-courses, and uh, you also do personal coaching. How do, how do people connect with you for that? Because we can't call you 24 okay. hours a day, so there's a... <laughs> no, you certainly can't. Um, but there's, there, there, um, it's all online. Primarily, okay. I work online, and um, and the coaching is really cool. I started doing email coaching because that way, lots of my clients are international, and okay. because what we cover is vulnerable stuff, so they can wake up in the middle of the night and email and answer the questions and do the practices and not worry about are they bothering me or whatever. 
right? And it's mm-hmm. been a really powerful tool. Um, I haven't heard many coaches using that as a resource. Okay, okay. Now, before we go, if, if you could give the audience some tips, because there's a, a, a term that you use or, you know, a, t- a technique that you try to get people to practice, and that's called um, fully present in this moment. So are there some things that people can do from night, from night now, from this point forward, to start being present in the moment? Right. So there's two things. One, um, in all of my work, I stress the importance of your breath, right? Because mm-hmm. you always have it and you have control. Well, it works without you controlling it. <laughs> you have <laughs> you have control over how you choose to breathe. By that I mean most of us breathe shallow through our day. So you can choose to take a moment and take a really deep cleansing breath and send it like through your whole body if you want, and then release, and it will change the energy of your body and the room that you're in. It's pretty easy and effective. But you also have a choice in what you choose to breathe in. So there's a really simple exercise that I share with everyone, and it's like this. Whatever space that you're in right now, like look around the room and think of something you love about something in the room, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm in a room that has really pretty twinkle lights, and I love them. So I breathe in that love for the really pretty twinkle light. And the next part is gratitude. Like, I love, I think how cool to be in a room with really pretty twinkle lights. (laughs) So I feel appreciation. I feel appreciation for the reflection of magic that I'm seeing, right? Because to me, they're magical. And and so breathe out gratitude for those really pretty twinkle lights. You Mm. just breathe in love and just breathe out gratitude. And while it may sound woo-woo on paper, if you give yourself that experience, you've changed, you've opened something inside that wasn't open before. Okay. Okay, awesome And tips. the other one that I teach is, um, is a really simple tool. It's um, very much, you have a heartbeat. And I was on a call, and the lady said, well, I can't feel my heart. I'm like, oh, great. You've <laughs> 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 never told me that before. So I usually say, place your hand over your heart, but also you have pulse points. So if you can't feel your heart, try a pulse point mm-hmm. and just send love and gratitude that your heart is beating and that you have this gift of life. We're not judging the quality of our life. We're not judging the quality of our body. Just thank you. Thank you for this heartbeat and thank you for this gift of life. And what's the pulse of you? So thank you for the pulse of me. And those All are right. two really simple, easy practices you can use. That bring your whole energy and attention into this moment. Be present in the moment. Awesome tips, awesome tips. Now, before I go, Joy, I want to ask you, Mm -hmm. uh, has your son or your daughter uh, talked about uh, wanting to go back and live on a boat? Um, Yeah, so my (laughs) son, (laughs) this is hysterical in one way and ironic. Um, So I taught my children to live their dreams, and they saw me doing it. I lived on a boat. So my son has been training the last few years to actually join the circus, Cirque du Soleil. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah, so then I'm like, too bad it wasn't local. And and then, yes, (laughs) we had talked about returning, but we're all going our own way. Oh, that is too cool. I love to hear that. I love to hear that. Well, Joy, we are at the end of our hour. I have uh, had such a delight talking you to talking to you today. My guest, my guest, see, there I go again. I can't get my tongue to work right. My guest today has been Joy Holland. Please visit her website, Facets of Joy. Joy, thank you for hanging out with me. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.
All right, that's all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There is always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I'm your host, Lana Reed. I'll see you all next week.